0: All righty. Welcome back to our uh, brand new series for the new year called Your Verse. And in this series, one of our challenges has been uh, to each of us is to find a verse that can become our verse. And for some of us, we have a life verse that's uh, kind of been a verse that's kind of a, we've wrapped our, our lives around in verse that we kind of want to live by. It's been kind of our mantra. Uh, for others, it's a, it's a verse right now. Maybe you're going through a period where you go, man, God has given me a verse, or maybe you're looking for a verse and say, Lord, I just need, I need a verse I can hang on to. I need a verse I can, I can stand upon. I just need something that, you know, I can hang on to during, you know, during this time. Whatever that works for you, but we've been challenging ourselves to say, we want you to find that verse, Once you to spend time in God's word and kind of reflect on that and as you find it, one of the things we're asking you to do is out in the lobby we have over on the wall we have a big board that says your verse and a lot of us have been writing our verses on there or putting and or putting the reference on there just so we can share with other people that verse that God has given us. Now let's do just one moment of audience participation. How many of you have a verse God has given you either as a life verse or one of your favorite verses that you just kind of hang on to time set? Okay I want two people who will be just stand up right where you are, and I want you to just give your verse out loud so everyone can hear. Amen. Yeah. Now, just stop right there, Jan. Did you hear what Jan said? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't say mad. He said I will be glad in it. Amen. Thank you, Jan. Some one other person. One more verse. Somebody else. Yeah. Say it again. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Philippians 4, 13. I know I saw, noticed that a couple of places on our, your verse out there. That's a verse, a life verse, for, I think for a couple of us. Well, we want you to find yours and whatever it is. And we want that to be a verse that just wraps around your heart that you can hold on to. Now, in this series, what we're doing is we're walking through the life verses for our staff. And uh, last week, we kicked this off. I shared my verse, my life verse, which is from Jeremiah 29, 13, where the Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. And and I hope that if you weren't here last week that you'll be able to get online and and watch that message. Because I think that will be one that will challenge you as you begin this new year. Today, we want you to hear from Jonathan Thompson, who is our uh, communications pastor uh, here at Chartel. He's the one in charge of all the stuff electronic that goes on around here. All of our online stuff, all of that, the bulletin you have in your hand. Anything has to do with communication. That's all things Jonathan. Jonathan's going to share His verse for you on this video. Play that for us, please.
1: Hello, my name is Jonathan Thompson. I'm the pastor of communication. I picked up my verse when I was in college, and I learned that there are many people trying to influence my life. That's when I picked up Romans 12. It states, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know God's will, is good, pleasing, and perfect I find that this verse is even more important now than it was when I first picked it up. This world is becoming more and more divided by politics and ideologies, and social media has become an even larger part of our lives. And we find advertisements and friends that are trying to influence and change us to think and act like they do. And we're called to so much more. We're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to know God's will. Well, how do you know God's will? What better way than to spend time with We do that through prayer, through scripture reading, through devotionals, and through worship. And so I challenge you that as you seek out your verse, you find something that transforms your mind to know God's will, It's good, pleasing and perfect
0: will. All right. Throw that passage up on the screen for me. I'm going to give you Jonathan's verse. This is from the New Living Translation. Would you read it out loud with me, please? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Have you noticed how this world tries to shape your thinking? You know, every time you uh, open your computer or you go online or you turn on your television, you are bombarded with messages that are telling you this is what you ought to think. These are the things you ought to like. This is what you, how you ought to live. These are the things that you cannot live without. Have you noticed that? And these patterns over and over and over again. And it's against that cultural influence that God challenges us To live differently, be differently, and think differently. Now, we've all felt that pressure, and we've all, at somewhere and along the way, another caved into that and have fought back against that. But I want to, I started to sit down this week and, and begin to think about what happens when you just go with the flow. You know, what happens when you find yourself? Kind of fitting into the pattern when you feel the pressure and you kind of go along with it and you and and you give in to to that what happens? And I thought of several things. Let me give them to you quick. Here we go. Five observations I want to make. First off, when you follow the the world's pattern, it's going to leave you lonely. It's going to leave you lonely. One of the things I thought about, I went went back to kind of thinking about particularly when I was a a young man growing up. And just, you know, how great a desire you have to fit in. And, And yet what you find is that you're lonely. In fact, it's so interesting that all the sociological studies have shown that the loneliest period of time in life is between 12 and 22. That during that time, when you're going through all these changes in life, and this very formative time, you want so bad to know who are my people? Who, who can I count on? And you're around all of these people who are so fickle. And, and what you discover is, man, the more you try to fit in, the more you kind of find yourself being pushed to the edge. You end up, you end up lonely. Also, another thing I thought about was when you follow this world pattern, you also find yourself being empty. You find yourself in being empty. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in in the message here in a few minutes. But one of the things I thought about was just, you know, how the world says, you know, you got to have all of this. And yet you can have all of this and still have nothing at all. Amen. Sure can. Another thing I I thought about was that, you know, when when you're following the pattern of this world, I promise you, they're going to leave you hurting. They're going to leave you hurting. You're going to find yourself constantly disappointed. You're going to find yourself constantly betrayed. You're going to find yourself constantly abandoned. All of the things that you're really longing for, the world tells you that it can provide, it won't. And time and time again, I promise you, you're going to end up, if you haven't already, you're going to find yourself ending up with a broken heart. (laughs) Another one I thought of is following the pattern of this world, it can make you crazy. It can make you crazy. Have you noticed how fast things change in the world around us? and when you try to fit in you know you finally you finally get the furniture in your house that everybody tells you you got to have and then the styles change you know, or, you know, when I was growing up, I, I saw this, this is really funny and, and so crazy. You know how, and I just thought of this one, I didn't even tell you this. It was so funny how um, when I was, why and I have been listening to some music back in the 70s? You know, we were listening to some old music, we found our old wedding song and some of them, we were listening to some of this, you know, I remember back when music was good, you know, it was just really, good. and we were listening to some of this, and it's funny how, you know, the world's listening in on you and they start giving you advertisements, To to stuff that, you know, that I kid you not, I was online, we were listening, I've listened to a whole, spent a whole day listening to the 70s music, and I kid you not, an ad popped up for Shag Carpet. (laughs) Kid you not. And I'm thinking, and I heard it, and it like, it took a second, then it kicked in. They're playing that because I was listening to this. Can we go back into that? How many of you remember shag carpet? You remember back when that was really, that was the thing. And then, you know, now, then it was other kinds of carpet. Now everybody's got wood floors, you know, and it's just how that, how that, or clothes. You know, you finally, you finally get a, a piece or two of clothes that fit in, and then you find out they're out of date. I don't know. I'm holding on to my leisure suits, man, because I know they're gonna, they, you know, they're gonna make they're gonna make a comeback. Now it just it it just ma- it makes you crazy. It really does. Let me give you one more, and I want you to hear this loud and clear. When I thought of this, it took my breath away. Following the patternless world will leave you ordinary. It'll leave you ordinary. The world wants you to be a part of all of this to blend in, to fit in, to fade into the background. Now you look at me. God made you unique and special. God designed you for great things. Uh, my devotional that I wrote for this morning it was a, a part of the calling of the disciples where Jesus said, follow me. And you remember what he said to the disciples? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He took a group of uneducated, unschooled, ignorant fishermen and he poured himself and his spirit into them and he built the church on that group of 12. God took a group of ordinary men and he made them extraordinary. And that is what God wants to do for you. God wants you to, to live a life that doesn't just fit the pattern of this world. God wants you to find the, the 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 fit the pattern that He's created for, because He's got extraordinary things in mind. Amen, amen. Excuse me. All right. So, what does it mean to to really lean into God? If we're not going to fit the pattern of this world, what do we need to turn to God to find? Here we go. Ready? Let's jump to it. Look to God for your identity. Look to God for your identity. The first thing I thought about when I was thinking about the world <coughs> excuse me, pressing us in. Thank you for asking, but I do. First thing I thought of was, in fact, how the world wants to tell you who you are. The world wants to tell you this is who you are. This is where, what you can do. This is who you can be. Now, you look at me, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. No one has the right to define you except the God who made you. And, and one of the things that breaks my heart is how sometimes we find ourselves looking at our lives and we're letting the world, we're listening to these people around us who who tell us what we can and can't do and who we can and can't be. And I'm saying, you know, break out of all of that because only God gets to do that for you. Oh, this is such a cool story. Throw that picture up on the screen. This, uh, this really cool kid, his name is Jacob Barnett. When Jacob was two years old, his parents had him evaluated because he wasn't talking uh, and he wasn't connecting. And they noticed there was something odd about him. Uh, they had him in a, in a preschool and he just wasn't able to adapt. And when they had him evaluated, the doctors told his parents, um, your son Jacob suffers from moderate to severe autism and he, he will never fit in. He will never be able to learn. He will never be able to even tie his own shoes. They, they tried to have him go to therapy and they were putting him in uh, these intensive therapy things where they were working with him and, and what they found is that the more they tried to make him do things that he didn't want to do, the more he withdrew and, and he, became, he became less and less connected with the world around him. They, they found that he became combative, that he, wouldn't, he would not engage and, and, and finally his mother watching all of this said, I can't do this anymore. And so she said, you know, the school said, we can't, we can't help him. So they, she took him out of school and she said, you know what? If my, if my son can't make it here in school, then I'll teach him at home. And I'll at least let him enjoy the things that he likes to do. And so she began to help Jacob um, kind of connect to the things that he liked to do. And one of the things she discovered was that you know, he loved to take Q-tips and make road designs. And they discovered that their kid had a photographic memory. He could remember every road, every street he'd ever been on, and he would, he would make these elaborate designs. They, they also found that he had this incredible propensity for math and science. Even at a very young age, at three years of age, he was answering questions about astrophysics. Even things that he hadn't studied. The concepts just came so naturally to him. What they discovered was this kid, who they thought could never learn anything, actually had an IQ greater than Einstein. And he just looked at the world so differently that they couldn't comprehend what he was doing. He attended a a, a class on physics at the University of Indiana with his mother at eight years of age. Now the kids and people in the class thought his mother was taking the class. And thought she just couldn't find childcare, but it was Jacob taking the class. And after he not only aced the class, but aced the final on physics at eight years of age, they offered him an opportunity. Would you like to go to college here at eight years of age? They said, you'll have to complete your, your, your high school. You know, you'll have, to, you'll have to graduate. You'll have to somehow do that. And so he did the rest of the work that he needed to do for high school in a year. He did, are you ready for this? He completed all of high school math, algebra, geometry, calculus. He completed all of that in two weeks. How many of you are still working on that? (laughs) He graduated college at 13 years of age. At 14, he had his master's. He was invited to attend Perimeter in Canada, which is harder to get into than Harvard, MIT, or Stanford. By 15, this kid had not only a master's degree, but he was working on a Ph.D. At 13 years of age, he published his first astrophysics paper for the science industry. A kid that they said would never tie his own shoes. Look at me. Don't you dare let the world tell you who you are. Don't you dare let this world tell you who you can be. And maybe and maybe you've had a rough past. Maybe you you've had a rough life. But don't don't you let the world use that against you, man. When I sat back and I thought about this, I thought, man, what a wonderful thing it is that God wraps His arms around us, takes us right with You. I throw that passage up on the screen. I love this. Read it with me. See how much our Father loves us because He calls us His children, and that is what we are. You're not a child of this world. You're a child of the King. Amen. I put this in my notes and I thought you just got to keep this somewhere where you can read it. The world will define you by how you look, by what you've done, by what you have and who you're with. God defines you by his love. And I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your life has been up till now. I don't care how many challenges you've had, failures that you have. I don't care how many things that you've done. You need to know that you have the opportunity today to begin your life being defined by the love of God. Here's what Paul said in in Corinthians. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. You look to God for your identity, amen? Look to God to determine your values. Look to God to determine your values. Isn't it funny how the world looks at these things around us and says these are the important things? You know, you got to have these clothes. You got to have this kind of car. You got to have this kind of house. You know, you, you, you got you, you to you look this way, be this way, act this way. Then all these things that they say are valuable. And isn't it interesting that all these things that the world say that is valuable, none of it lasts? None of it. Look look at what Jesus said. Throw throw that up on the screen. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said don't stir up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal them store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal read it with me wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will be now look at me and this is why so many of us are so troubled and stressed at the time, because we're trying to have the stuff that the world says we have to have so that we can fit in and you know what you don't need any of it in fact none of it will make you who you want to be i was on a plane several years ago flying from kansas city to pittsburgh sitting next to a guy whose name was brian brian and i got talking and uh, asking what he did for a living he told me he was a plant manager of a plant up in toronto canada as we talked, he started talking about some leadership stuff, which is kind of my passion. So we got talking about uh, leadership and how, how do you motivate volunteers and how do you motivate employees and, and how do you really get people to do it. And I was talking to him about emotional intelligence and how you have to connect with people and had this fascinating conversation. He never asked me what I did. I think he assumed I owned a company or something. <laughs> We had, this, we had this conversation going about all, all of these things, and, and uh, I started talking to him about how, you know, people today are looking for something more than just a paycheck, and he said, yeah, isn't that interesting? I said, yeah. I said, you know, Brian, I just saw this week in USA Today that the number one asked question by new employees at their new company is this, how much time off will I get? And Brian said, isn't that crazy? He said, people just don't want to work anymore. And I said, no, Brian, I don't think that's the issue. I don't think it's that people don't want to work. I think what people are discovering is that no matter how hard I work and how much I have, I'm not happy. That I'm only happy when I get to do some of the things that make my heart sing. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, Brian, I said, haven't you ever met anyone that finally had it all? I mean, they climbed the ladder to success, and they've, they've got the position. They've got all, all the stuff they ever wanted. They got all the money. They ever, they finally have, have it all, and yet they're still empty inside. They find that they've climbed the ladder to success and found out it's leaning against the wrong wall. And I'll never forget Brian looking at me just falling back into his seat and saying, Steve, that's me. He said, I'm a plant manager. He said, I make a boatload of money. He said, I've got over 1,500 employees that work for me. He said, I have all of the toys. I have a beautiful home in Toronto. I have everything I've ever dreamed of having. And yet I still feel so empty inside. And I smiled and said, well, I've got good news, Brian. (laughs) And it opened the door for me to have a conversation about how he could find something that really mattered. You see, the world will tell you, you have to have it all. And what I'm going to tell you is that you have a God-shaped hole inside of you that you can't fill with all the junk this world offers. Amen? Look to God to discover the path for your life. Look to God to discover the path for your life. Now, why this is so important, again, as I was processing, this, yes, I thought of some of my own journey, and, and all these people who have, have ideas for you that the direction they think you ought to go and the things that they think you ought to do, and, and again, some of us have some good, wise counselors around us, and I'm not telling you that you don't listen to them and process them, but you need to understand this. Look at me. you got to hear this. God has a plan for you. And the most important thing as you take this journey is to be seeking God and what his plan, because his plan doesn't always fit what the world is trying to tell you you ought to do. You know, some of you have heard my story when I grew up uh, in a, in my in the home that I grew up in. You know, I have parents that love me. I have no doubt about that. But, you know, my mom, God bless her, just she couldn't really think outside of the little world that was there in Ohio. And so when I came home one day and told my parents um, that I felt like God wanted me to be a pastor, and I was going to go to college, and I was going to be a pastor. I'll never forget my mom looking at me and going, no, you're not. You're going to stay here, and you're going to get a job in a factory like your dad and your brothers. You see, that's all she knew. You know, mom dropped out of school in eighth grade. Dad dropped out of school in tenth grade. They were all hardworking folks, and that was the, nobody in my family ever went to college but I knew that was what God had for me. Can I tell you something? I'm looking back now toward the end part of my life. And I'm telling I am so glad I chose the path that I believe God had for me. Now, you may not be glad. <laughs> <laughs> you may have said, yeah, you might, might have had something there, you know. <laughs> but I am so glad. I, I remember when I came here to Chartel the first time. It was 1981. The church here was downtown. And... Um, 1983 we relocated to this piece of land and built this half of the building and had this beautiful sanctuary and offices and gym and my parents came out from Ohio to visit and it was so and my by then my mom was proud of the fact that I had become a pastor and they were here and they saw this beautiful facility and they were just in awe of this beautiful church and this beautiful gym in 1987, I, I, Wanda and I felt like God was calling us to go to Olathe, Kansas where my friend Gary Kendall had planted a church and help him in that church plant to really get it going. It was a congregation, about 80 or 90, meeting in a junior high school and, and we just felt like we could, we could come on board and, and help them and, and so we prayed and I resigned here at Chartel. And I'll never forget when I called my mom and I said, hey, just want you to know I've taken a position in, in Kansas City at a church up there in Olathe. And mom said, well, is it a bigger church? And I said, well, no, mom, it's, it's a church of about, you know, 80 or 90. It's about a third of the size of the one here at Chartel. And she said, well, do they have a, a beautiful building like, like what you have here? And I said, well, no, mom, they don't have a building at all. We rent a junior high school. And she said, well, are you going to make more money? And I said, well, no. I said, we're, we're just hoping they're going to be able to pay us something, And she said, well, are you going to be a real pastor? (laughs) I said, no, Mom. I'm going to be an associate still. (laughs) Then why are you going? Because God's calling us, Mom. And sometimes the plans of God don't fit the career path that the world says you ought to choose. Does this make sense to you? No. I, I love the passage of Scripture from Proverbs. I know I shared this last week, but I just think it fits so well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not depend on your own understanding. Read it with me, church. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Let me give you one more. I, I thought about this, and I thought i got to talk about this at least for a moment. Look to God as the model for your relationships, look to God as the model for your relationships. Now, and why I thought about this is, man, you can't pop open your computer or your your iPhone or your iPad. You can't. You can't. You know pick up any magazine anywhere without there being articles about relationships and, and how you need to have those relationships and what you need to do to take care of you and all, all these, all these different articles and, and some of it's not bad and some of it's helpful stuff. But one of the things that, that I keep coming back to is wouldn't the world be a much better place if we just learned to relate to people like Jesus? I mean, he he is our model, right? I mean, throw that passage of scripture up on the screen. I I love what he says. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Read it with me. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Throw the one up from Ephesians. And imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear dear children. Read it with me, church. Live a life filled with love following the example of, of Christ. And what would happen if you did that? When I was pastoring in Pennsylvania, I had a woman fairly new to our church that called me uh, one day, one morning. It was the morning after we had had um, a special service right before Easter where we had communion and we did a foot washing service uh, in John 12 there's a great story about how Jesus washed his disciples feet and he said what I've done you ought to do for each other and so we often enact that as a way of remembering that and she called me that morning and she said Pastor Steve she goes last night was something like I've never experienced before she said I watched as you demonstrated foot washing in front of the church and And you talked about how Jesus did that for his disciples, how he got down on his knees and humbled his heart and he let them know he was willing to do anything for them. And she said, I was so moved by that. She goes, I'd never seen that, never, never heard of that before. She said, but it touched me so deeply. She said, I went home and she said, my husband was in the office uh, there at the house and he was back sitting at his desk and and she said, I, I thought about our life and our relationship and the, the fact that we'd you know, just kind of been a little bit distant. And she said, so I did something. She goes, I, I, I got a, a pail of water and I got a towel. And she said, I went, in, I went into where my husband was. And she said, he turned around and he faced me. She said, I got down on my knees and I took off his shoes. And she said, I placed his foot in the basin of water And as I splashed water up on it, she said, I told him how much I loved him. I told him how much I appreciated him. I told him how thankful I was to have a husband like him who who cared so much for our family. And she said, my husband, who is not an emotional man, sat in that chair and he bawled like a baby. She said, Pastor Steve, last night was the most intimate moment my husband and I have ever shared. Something happens when we begin to love like Jesus loves. Jesus said to us, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for it. What would happen to our wives if we loved them that way? He tells our wives, "Wives, love your husbands. Just show them honor and respect, and just let them know that you love them." What would happen to the husbands if wives really loved them that way? He said, "Parents, love your children. These are gifts from God to you. Cherish them. Treat them like they're a reward. What would happen to our kids if we if we treated them like they were a reward rather than a bother?" He says, "Children, love your parents. Honor them." What in the world would happen to parents if kids came home and said, what can I do for you today? We'd all faint. (laughs) (laughs) The world is going to tell you how to do relationships. But you answer this question in your own heart. What would happen to your family if your family finally decided to just love each other like Jesus loved you. What would happen in our church if we did it that way? What would happen in our what in the world would happen to our country if we could just get back to treating each other the way Jesus taught us to do so. Don't follow the patterns of this world. Instead, let God transform you by changing the way you think to think like him. This morning, Rachel's going to lead us in a, in a beautiful song. and While she leads us in that, I, I just want to encourage you to just to lean into the Lord. And, and this morning, um, I, I don't know what transforming work God needs to do in you, but I know he's here. And I know that if you open up that place or that part of your heart to God, he'll meet you right where you are. And maybe this morning you came and maybe you're one of those who you're just frustrated. Maybe you've tried so hard to fit in. Maybe you've tried so hard to fill an empty place in your heart that you just can't seem to fill. And I want to invite you this morning. It's not any of that stuff out there. There's only one who can fill that hole. And his name is Jesus. And I just double dog dare you today to open your heart and say, Jesus, would you fill this hole in me? Would you help me to make you the most important thing in my life and to follow your pattern and not the patterns of this world? Maybe some of you have been walking through some stuff and maybe you came in today and you're tired and you're overwhelmed and maybe you need someone to pray with you. We've got prayer partners in all four corners of the room. Any one of them would count it a privilege just to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Maybe you need a moment with God and you want to slip out and just come to an altar and just kneel by yourself. You can do that or you can stay right there in your pew. It doesn't matter to me how you do this, but would you pray that prayer? Dear God... Would you transform me by changing the way that I think? Let that be your prayer today. Our fathers, we come to you. We just openly admit that sometimes we let the world determine our life. We let it set the bar for us. We let it determine what's valuable to us. We let the world tell us what we got to have or what we've got to live without Sadly, we let the world tell us who we are. But today, here in this place, we set all of that aside. We ask that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray that you would give us the assurance of your peace and your presence in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray particularly for anyone that maybe today is the very first time in their life where they've opened their heart and life to you, and they're going to let you fill that void that they've tried to fill with a lot of other things. And God, we thank you for your grace. No matter who we are, where we've been, or what we've done, your word says that when we open our lives to you, that we become the children of God. And that's who we really are. And I pray as we leave this place that you will help us to cling to that identity and let you transform the way we think every single day of our lives. In your precious name we pray and give you thanks. And everyone said, amen. Amen.